Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome each and every one of you back to week three of our series entitled It's Worth It 2.0. I want to look in the camera there and welcome all those that are watching online, our McKinney campus that's with us, as well as our Hazlitt campus. I got to be at the Vision Night last week with Hazlitt. We're glad you're joining us. Maybe someone watching this in a video venue at our Keller campus. Let's put our hands together and welcome everybody that's joining in with us this weekend. If you have your Bibles, turn with me right there at the first of the Gospels, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at verses 18 through 20 together this week. If you're new with us, let me catch you up to speed real quick. We have a book at all locations as well as online. It's really our story. It's our history. It's uh, 85% new content from a book I wrote in 2015 that really my goal is here at 20 years because we never wanted just to be a mob of people who did not really know what God had called us to, but we share a set of values and if you're new or even if you've been here for a while, it's a time of, of envisioning and re-envisioning and, and being more of who God's called us to be right here at the 20-year mark. And so I hope you'll get it. I hope you'll read it. If you want to go through it yourself or someone that you are in relationship with, maybe some folks at work or maybe your family or maybe just yourself, you can go right there to milestonechurch.com. And I did some videos that might help you in the journey because I'm passionate about you grabbing a hold of these kingdom values. It's really not just milestone values, it's kingdom values that can change your relationship with God, change those around you, and really impact your family. And so these values are something that I want for you. Jesus, he, he used just a few words to say something very powerful in Matthew 13, 44, where he said there was a man who actually found a treasure. It was in a field and he bought the whole field to get the treasure. And he didn't have buyer's remorse. In fact, going all in for this treasure, the man walked away with joy. And I believe that a lot of times the treasure of the kingdom can be hidden from plain sight in our lives. And I've had this phrase throughout the series, and that's this, that some people see dirt, other people actually see treasure. And there's treasure available. The treasure is obviously Jesus and who he is, but it's also the way of life that he's intended for you. And I believe this week, you can go back and watch the messages if you've missed them of the different values, but I believe this week, and I'm very excited about it, it's something I'm very passionate about. I believe actually this week could be out of all the values, this week could be one of the, the values that's, that's most hidden to a lot of people. It could, it could be one where a lot of people see dirt and a lot of people miss the treasure and I want it for you and, and I'm hoping you can grab a hold of it this weekend. I, I hope that just somebody would just say, man, that's in the word of God, that's Jesus's heart and you would make it a part of your real everyday life. The value for this week is discipleship. It's discipleship, I, I know not a, thunderous applause, you're like, wow, wow, wow. Discipleship, it sounds like I have to go to school 
Sounds like a teacher-student thing. It kind of seems like homework. It, it, it kind of seems like a churchy word. It's like, what are you talking about, pastor? You're talking about a value? I'll have to tell you, this value impacted my life as a young man. It's something that my pastor brought me in his home on Wednesday nights, and what I do today and the joy that I get, I can't even believe I get to do this, and being a part of what God's doing started as a young boy learning the scriptures. It started as a teenager where my pastor brought me in his home on Wednesday nights and would pour into my life. He had kids running around. His wife was cooking spaghetti and trying to do everything. He had a lot of things he could have done, but he, he took a young guy who had a call on his life and he imparted his life to me. I had an opportunity to do his funeral not too long ago and stand before his family and congregation and honor him. You don't know him. He never made any, he's not an Instagram influencer, but he made an impact for Jesus. And so many times, discipleship is one of those things that's hidden to us. It's slow, it's tedious, it's not, it's not something that happens fast, it's, it's relatively unnoticed, but if all of us begin to invest in that in our lives, it's like a lot of things in the kingdom. I'm warning you, what I'm talking about this weekend is counterintuitive. It's opposite than how we think. It's not fast, it's not flashy, it's not quick, but it's impactful. This understanding of what Jesus had a heart for us to grab a hold of. And I tell you, I'm passionate about it because to this day, it's something that's meaningful in my life. I decided as a young pastor that I wouldn't just be a talker, but I would build people's lives. I read the verse I'm about to read to you I read a, a guy writing on the subject where he said, it's slow and tedious and relatively unnoticed, but in its end is glorious. I, I read a book that a guy wrote in 1958 where he talked about it and he, and he said, it's, it's really a question of what you're really living for. He said, are you gonna live for the momentary applause of popular recognition or will you invest your life in a chosen few that will live it out long after you're gone? So I got a different picture for my life that on my deathbed, my spiritual children and my natural children would say to me, we got it. We got it from here. That I wouldn't live just a one hit wonder, but I would invest my lives in others, not be a superstar, but a super discipler. And I'm still a discipler today. Why? Because I'm a Christian. I tell a lot of pastors, you might be a better pastor if you were actually a better Christian. I know that, okay, I'm sorry. It's the way of Jesus. We're not here today because of Jesus' eloquent words. Thank God for the word of God, but we're here today practically because he invested his life in some disciples who made disciples because disciples make disciples. And you're just like, wow, this is amazing. And I'm proud of you as a church. And some of you that are new, you may feel something here. You may experience something here. I'm talking about something that's in the recipe that's happening all across this, this, this church and this, this, this group of people. And it's happened organically and it's happening somewhat systematically. And, and, and that's what you feel here is that we don't just reach people, but we want to build people. And you might experience that. And I hope you do. In fact, every single week, it's amazing to me. It's not something I have to pull back from a few weeks ago or for a month ago or even 20 years ago. This week, people are being water baptized. This week, a group of people on Friday night 
took in some families who have children with life-threatening illnesses, our fairy tale ball, and I have to be careful because I'll get emotional. We read so many stories from these parents. One lady saying, it's, 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 it's doctors, it's blood tests, it's therapists, and for one night, my daughter, who is sick, one night she got to be a princess. It's amazing. If you could read these stories, you would be blown away at the impact on people's lives. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for those of you that served at things like this, where we're making an impact on the lives of people every single week. Can we give God a round of applause for the lives that were impacted this week? Discipleship. What is it? I mean, how do I even get my hands around that? I started my own small group three weeks ago. I, I have a lot I could do. I have a lot of things that I invest in as, a, as, as your pastor. And, and I could, I could kind of dismiss myself from the process, but I felt even convicted this, just Lord, where do you want me to serve? And through a connection with a relationship, I started a small group and most of the people in my group I've never met before. And I was talking about what I'm gonna talk about this weekend and one man, he just, he, he really, illustrates where you are with this. He's like, I've never really heard about that. And quite honestly, you know, you're a pastor and you've studied this and, and you know all these things. And, and he said something to me, he said, look, I, I, don't know if, if, I don't know if you know this, Jeff, but it's like, that's, that's a long way out of my reach. And, and that's what I think is good about being a disciple maker and being with people is it puts you in touch with where real people live. And I know as I share the word with you, you're gonna go, oh, that's important, but I know it can have a lot of barriers in your life. So I wanna take the next few moments to try to remove some barriers. First of all, what I thought was amazing was this guy was like, wow, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know if I can like get to that. And yet he trains people at his work for a living. He's a manager of people. So, so like he's a trainer in his real life, but somehow we've created this division within the church world that it's only the professional people and no business, no family, no, no city, no world can ever operate that way where there's just one superstar person who knows how to do it. And it was amazing to me as I started sharing with him, no, 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 you do this all the time. You just have never had someone say, hey, you can do this for Jesus. You can do this for Jesus. You know, the truth is, if you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or a young person with siblings or if you care like Bella for your brother, all of us, this touches our lives because God made us relational beings. And one of the things I know parents want is we wanna know how to transfer our values to those coming behind us. And that's really what discipleship is. It's like, how do I transfer what I believe is important to those coming behind me. This week, we saw a move of God among young people. I know the world is beside itself with all kinds of narrative about this generation and how they're lost and they don't wanna work and they're this and they're that. Well, well we, it's easy to talk. We gotta do something about it. So we're full on to reach that next generation because they're our future teachers. They're our future moms and dads. They're the ones that'll be taking care of us when we're in the old folks' home. Anybody scared? <laughs> so we've gotta invest in them. 
And we had a move of God this week. 1,200 teenagers showed up in this building worshiping God, and the altar was full of kids that came to know Jesus and every leader and every person we could possibly find. We drug up here. We had, and it's not just about the numbers of kids. What our team started meeting on this week was there were three ministry rooms full of young people responding to Christ, and that's amazing. And what we started meeting this week on is how are we gonna disciple these people? How are we gonna help them learn how to walk with God? How are we gonna help them learn how to read their Bibles? Because we don't just wanna reach them, we wanna see them become disciples of Jesus Christ. So we wanna pour into their lives. This is a value that's been at the core of who we are. The truth is this weekend, I'm just playing the same song that I played 20 years ago to the people that gathered together, 32 of them. I said, here's our goal. I say it every week in 101 when I get a chance to be there. What's our goal? I find a lot of people quit this thing called Christianity because no one tells them, what are we trying to do? What are we actually trying to do? It's like, yes, we go, we listen to the guy, he talks, we sing, we do the programs, we give, we do all of that. Then we try to beat the Methodist down to the street somewhere to get some babes chicken. And we just go do it over and over and over and after a while you're like, what are we trying to do? We're trying to make a disciple. It may not be flashy, it may not be cute, it may not make some kind, it may not go viral. It's what Jesus said to do, Matthew 28. We can look at it, you know, you can get some vision for your life by looking at this verse with your eyeballs and asking the Holy Spirit to make the verse real to you. Jesus, before he goes to heaven, this is what he says. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says, I have the authority to ask you to do this. He's making the rules. He's the one telling us. He's the one calibrating what we're supposed to do. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why do we water baptize people? Because Jesus said to. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And he says, I know you're intimidated by this. I know, he knew that you and I would be sitting here reading his words going, make disciples, wow, make disciples, baptize people. Whoa, that's like, wow, that's for preachers. That's for some prophet. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. And he knows we would feel insecure. He says, look, I know you're gonna have some feelings about this. He says, I'll be with you. I'm gonna be with you in it. I love the day when a person decides to step out and participate in Jesus's plan. And when you feel his nearness, when he touches them before you say something, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you something you would never know, when you begin to see, wait a minute, Jesus is helping me. It's like, wow, he's right there, he's helping me in this. And then you just kinda get addicted to it, man, and it's amazing. I double dog dare you to try it. It'll change your view of reading this word. It'll change your view of what we're trying to do. It'll give you an entirely different understanding of what this is all about. He says, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Now we gotta break this words down from Jesus here. He's, as we see it, we kinda see two action words there. We see, or several really go, and we see baptize, and we see teach. 
And we might think, man, that's a lot, of, a lot of action, but the truth is the go is actually more of a participle in the original language. It should kind of read, as you are going. Because if the king of the universe who breathes stars into existence has sent his son to us, and we have been redeemed and we've been saved and we've been changed by him and he lives on the inside of us and we're a new creation and old things are passed away and all things have become new and we are seated with him in heavenly places and, and we, are, we, are, we are in, in relationship with him. We're not sitting stagnant. Oh no, we're, we're, we got something happening up in there so we're moving and so we're going but we just don't know exactly all the time where to go. In our last 101, what I love to do is I like to pick out a teacher in the, in the class. So last one, precious lady, she may be here, she may be watching, I don't know, precious lady. I feel a little bit bad, kinda, with what I did. I, 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 in the class, you know, there's all these people new and everything, I said, you know, she's a teacher, and I said, you know, no, what's the verb in this sentence? First, I was like, what's a verb? And, and you know, she, she's just got kind of discombobulated. You know, the preacher's like asking her a question. That's your worst fear, you know, if I'd point one of you out right now and be like, stand up, tell us what Jesus means. You'd be like, oh, da, 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 da. <laughs> So she's just like uh, kind of beside herself, you know, and I'm thinking, well, maybe she teaches calculus or something, you know? <laughs> and so I asked her, I said, ma'am, what do you teach? She goes, reading. <laughs> I was like, and you know, because my teachers were so hard on me, I kind of felt good about it for a little bit. You know, it's just like, I'm sorry, ma'am, I'm sorry, but it was just kind of felt good a little bit. And, uh, and then so she, the reading teacher, informed us that the verb is the action word. It's what we're supposed to do. And so you see, the action word is make. And the reason we have to make disciples is they don't make themselves. There's an intentional, on purpose, direct, strategy and an engagement that involves us to make. So I ask you the question as you interact with believers, as you see discourse online all the time, as you see us talk all the time, how many people are talking about, here's what I'm doing to make, here's how I'm making, what do you do as you make, how would you make, what would it look like to make, here's what I'm doing in my making. Oh, how we get distracted and off course. Oh, how we lose our way from Jesus' such clear words, and he doesn't just say it in Matthew, he says it in Mark, he says it in Luke, he says it in John. It's said at the first part of Acts, every gospel which Jesus is the center of comes back to make. Activity does not equal productivity. Mere Christian activity doesn't equal productivity according to Jesus' desire and we live to please him. I had an illustration of this early on. My oldest daughter, who's married now, Hannah Grace, when she was five or six years old, I showed up at the ball field, and as happens, and some of this has happened to you, if you show up at the school or the ball field, they need some help. And so I showed up at the ball field because she wanted to play soccer. So I came to the soccer field, and I know nothing about soccer. I know that is bad because it's an international sport. Here in a month or so, there'll be two to three billion people watching this event. And I grew up playing American football and I coached football in the area and we dominated. And I would tell people, how do you feel now that you've lost to a preacher? But anyway, it's all good. But 
I didn't know nothing about soccer, and so they'd be just running around. Somebody'd say, they're off sides. I'm like, where's the line of scrimmage? You know what I'm saying? I don't know what we're doing here. And I realized real quick, you didn't need a lot of talent to coach five and six-year-old girls soccer. You just gotta get you to come some kind of vicious name like the honeybees or something like that. So we got us a name. We're the honeybees. We're coming to sting you, baby. Got us some uniforms. and I realized that really it was about the uniform. It was about the snack, by the way. I had a parent email me. When are we gonna have the halftime snack? I'm thinking, halftime snack? We didn't get any snacks. What are you kidding me? They fed us salt tablets. We drank out of a water hose behind a building somewhere with algae in it. It's amazing we're even alive today. <laughs> halftime snack? Get what? <laughs> Run a lap. <laughs> and I realized my main job was just kind of keep them on the field because the honeybees would group together. They liked their little monogram chairs. They liked their little group that they had and they just buzz around. And they just buzz over here and they didn't have any clue what we were trying to do and really didn't even care if we won. I'm trying to win. They don't even know what winning is. They just kind of buzz around. I'll be like, okay, here, the, the one in the net that we're trying to get it in the net. They'd kick one for the other team. Be like, we got you one. And I was looking at that one day and I thought, this treasure, this clear directive from Jesus, it's like American Christianity, just book series, conference, specialized, sort of superfluous sidebar passion, some little thing that we get stirred up in. Can I encourage some of you, when you get stirred up and talk a lot online, there's algorithms to where one day you may realize, I hope you do, that you're into this really, really big, and it's you and your friends in an echo chamber. You're talking to the people who agree with you. So until you get out of that, and begin to actually engage with people different than you and begin to relate to them and not just talk to them, but spend your life with them, you can actually begin to affect change. That's how it happens. I just like, Ugh. why do we talk so much? If we were half as good at discipling as we are talking, we would already have changed the world. That's Jesus' strategy, but it's counterintuitive. You're like, okay, how do we make sense of this, Pastor? Well, in the last few minutes, I wanna help you get engaged in it. Here's three questions I think you need to answer to become a disciple, because my ultimate goal is you have to become a disciple, because once you become a disciple, disciples make disciples. You, you become it, you begin to do it but I think there's some barriers. Let me give you a few of those. I learned them from one of the guys in my group even this week. One is, I just don't even get the concept, Pastor. What are you talking about? Are you talking about like going and finding people that are lost? Well, sometimes we disciple people and relate to people into the moment where they are converted and give their life to Christ, but a lot of times we miss this. Evangelism is sharing the good news and them accepting Christ. Discipleship is teaching them how to be a follower. It's helping them take spiritual steps. So a lot of people don't understand this. It's not just an information transfer. It's not just handing out a pamphlet. 
It's not just some, some mass deal, it's Jesus prayed, God told him who to spend time with, and he appointed these 12 people, look at this, to be with him. To be with him. Christianity is an apprenticeship model. And if you wanna live frustrated, then have a lot of great ideas and not be with some people that you're imparting it to and you'll just feel like you're banging your head against the wall all the time. Jesus said that they might be with him. I like to simplify it this way. It's more caught than it is taught. It's just how it works. So what we have to do is, we have to get with people and get them started. If you say, Pastor, give me an image of what I need to kind of have in my head. You, you gotta just get started taking steps. You gotta get some people started on the journey with Jesus. When my kids were learning to ride a bike, one of the hardest things for them is to start the bike going, but I realized they could kind of learn to steer if I would get them going. So I had a slight grade on the concrete there, some St. Augustine grass. I knew there would be a wreck, but I got the grass there and I just would kind of get them started. Boom. Come on back, let's do it again. You get them started. That's why riding a bike is like this, like this, like this, and one day you don't have your hand on it and they're like, I'm riding. But you gotta get motion. In our culture today, a lot of times it's like we're watching something, we're interacting with information, we're talking about something, but no one ever grabs the seat and says, okay, okay, come on now, actually start riding. Get this, actually, this is, this is actually not just buzz around with a group of people just doing Christian activity, get started toward taking spiritual steps, kick one in the goal. It's that way in most things in life. So we have this understanding of the concept. We think it's preacher student. We think it's class. We think it's program. Of course we have classes. Of course we have programs. Of course we have preaching. We have all of that. But programs and systems don't make disciples. People make disciples. People do it. It's a person. Discipleship is a person. Here's the next one. It's intimidating. I realize even as I talk to some of you, you're just like, wow, this is, he's really into this. Jesus said we should do it. You're just kind of working through it. Am I doing that? And it can be intimidating to, to grab somebody and say, hey, let's just have coffee for the next 10 months and I just wanna share with you, I wanna help you, I wanna help you just learn. You're like, wow, what would I do? It's intimidating. It's almost like I'm saying, hey, I need you to write code. Write some code, like make a video game, write the code. Some of you are like, I can do that. Not many of us probably. Tear apart an engine and put it back together. You're like, I don't even know where to start. I can tear it apart, but I don't think I can put it back together. But anything that is somewhat challenging or otherwise, it all is about you overcome your intimidation, you get going, and I promise you this, you'll grow in your relationship with Jesus once you start growing in your understanding of helping someone else. But it can be intimidating. A lot of times we think it's share information. We think if I share enough information, then it'll create change. The Apostle Paul follows in the words of Jesus, and he says this, Follow my example. Follow my example. Can I say to some of you young families right now, let me tell you, don't just parent your kids, disciple them. You say, what do you mean, pastor? 
Well, you, you read your Bible. You read your Bible with them. You bring them as we take care of people and minister to people. My kids grew up with people in my home, people coming to Christ. People, be, This is what we do, guys. We're Christians. You bring them into the picture. You bring them into being a part of it. So it's not some nebulous theory that they sit in church their whole lives going, these people are really into it, but I've never really seen it demonstrated, so therefore I disconnect from it in college because all we do is go listen to somebody talk, but what you gotta do is go, come on, come on. If you're new to it, you go, mommy and daddy are learning. Mom and daddy are learning how to do this and we're learning, but hey, come with me. And you're like, well, I didn't do that with my kids. Do it with your grandkids. Hey, hey, what? Hey, I'm, here's what I'm reading in the Bible. Here's what Jesus showed me. Hey, come with me, come with me. Follow my example. It's imparted because you teach what you know, you reproduce who you are. You reproduce who you are. Sharing information. Here's the final one, I'm not qualified. We have this concept that I will get to this point and then I will do X, Y, Z. I will get enough money and then I'll be generous. If you're not generous with 10, you'll never be generous with 10 million. I'll get to the point where I know enough of the Bible where I will do it, but the truth is, the one discipling and helping and encouraging always even learns more than the one that they're sharing it with. So you grow as you go. It actually makes you grow. I was thinking this week, why didn't God give us kids when we were old? I would be much better parent today than I was when he gave, I was like, I'm in my 20s. And I'm like, oh my Lord, I'm responsible for this life. I mean, now I have some insight. You know, you just get better. That's why our oldest kids are in counseling. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> we whooped them too much. Behave. The youngest ones get away with murder. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm too tired to whoop you. Just whatever, I hope it works out. <laughs> but God didn't do that. He's like, you're gonna grow as you go. You're gonna learn as you do it. And so my greatest encouragement to you would be that you will actually become more of a disciple as you're investing in someone else. It just happens. I'll tell you a verse of scripture, Hazlitt, wherever you're at, this is, this is mind blowing. It would give me the emoticon with the, emoticon with the head blowing up, the Here's one. Jesus in his prayer says, I sanctify myself for the sake of my disciples. Wait a minute, Jesus, you're the son of God. You're perfect. Sanctify yourself? Because justification is when you're made right, you're saved. Sanctification is when you become, the, the, you become and, and work into the image of who God's called you to be, so that means you have growth. And I'm like, Jesus, you don't need to grow because you're it. And yet, as I understand it, everything about that little section of scripture was him with his disciples and preparing for, for him to leave and, and, and him having meals with them and, and him illustrating things with them and him sweating blood in a garden and, and him saying, come pray with me and, and watch with me and, and be with me. I sanctify myself. Jesus, I'm uncomfortable with you using that language. You know what Jesus was saying? As the son of God, but also as fully man, I'm actually doing some things intentionally right now as I head to that cross for you. Did you know? I believe there's a sanctification in your life that doesn't come until you let some people into your world that you're discipling. We've all had it happen with kids. You're like, 
where did you learn that? It's amazing. I counsel parents and they're like, my kid is headstrong. My kid is, a, is just, he's just like a bulldog. He just does what he wants. I'm like, uh, where did this kid come from? Isn't that amazing? Where did you learn that word? Uh, you learned it from me. You know what's so cool about discipleship too? You're like, you meet with them, it's exciting. You start helping someone, they start taking some steps and then they, then they get hard-headed and then they don't listen to anything you say. And you're just like, oh, I mean, well, you, why are you so headstrong? I'm trying to help you and you're not listening to anything I say. And, and then you go back to Jesus and Jesus is like, you don't listen to anything I say. You're not listening to what I say. And then it's like, okay, I got to, baby, I need to become something so I can give away something. And, and it's not about knowing everything. It's about giving what you have. So if you study John 1, you've read John, the word was with God and the word was God and the word was, okay, and Jesus is full of grace and truth. Okay, I got John 1. Give away John 1 while you're reading John 2. And when you give away John 1, then you try to live John 1. And then you're like, well, you're not doing what I told you in John 1. And you got to go back to Jesus. And, you're like, I'm, and Jesus says, don't just read John 2. You need to go back to John 1 because you need to do what you're actually telling that guy. I sanctify myself as I care about you. I, I, I believe you become a greater version of who God's called you to be because you have other people around your life that you have responsibilities and relationships with that you're modeling Christianity, not just talking about Christianity. Number two, how do I know if I am a disciple? Well, I wanna make it real simple, the KISS principle, right? Just, just, just keep it simple. Just keep it simple. It starts with follow, right? That's Jesus. Jesus didn't have marketing teams and... He didn't have pamphlets and brochures and flyers and he didn't have a, a video presentation. He didn't have a YouTube video of here's how you do this. He just simply came to a group of fishermen and said, follow me. And they just started following. What happens is we stop following. If you'll just keep following, you're gonna end up at make disciples because that's what Jesus is doing. But it all starts with, am I following? And you gotta start following and you just start taking steps and you start following and, and if I would have been one of Jesus' disciples, I, I would have been in trouble because I would have had to have like a committee meeting. And I sat down and told Jesus, I'd be like, Jesus, did we do a SWOT analysis yet on the strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and threats of us following you and where you're going? Hey, Jesus, where are we going? Jesus, what's it gonna look like when we get there, Jesus? Jesus, do you have any insurance for us? Jesus, can we have any risk mitigation on this deal? Because I'm leaving my business over here. Can you give me any kind of insurance or collateral that we're not gonna end up broke, Jesus? Where are we going, Jesus? I know none of you are that way, but that's how I would be. Do we have a plan, Jesus? And Jesus never gives us any of that. He just says, follow. Follow. Just follow me. And as you follow him, you just keep following and following and you look up and then he becomes Lord, not just Savior. He's not just taking you to heaven. He's bringing heaven to earth. And you're participating with him and you just keep following and before you know it, it's like, man, I'm way too into this stuff. Like he's really become my Lord and, and that's a Greek word, kurios, which means he's the most high thing in my life and if he says it, then I'm in it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm into whatever he says and I'm, he's, he's now becoming not just someone who I worship on Sunday, but like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like this Jesus thing is like taking over my life. 
and he's my Lord and I, be, I, 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 I follow him in lordship and then what happens is then you start getting so transformed you wanna give it to somebody else. It's not about achieving some level of cerebral knowledge. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. And then you make disciples, why? Because disciples make disciples. That's what they do. They reproduce what's happening in them because of their relationship with Jesus. The, the Greek word there is mathetes. It means a close follower. It just means you're following Jesus. Now let me bring you to the third question that I think makes it really real, and that is discipleship requires relationship with Jesus and people. So you, you gotta be close to Jesus to impart what Jesus is doing, and then you have to be with people because there's a touching, rubbing, connecting part of this. There's an apprenticeship. There's a follow me as I follow the Lord. And so some of you, you experience when you come here to Milestone, you're like, did they just gather all the friendly people? And why, why, why do we want to know you? Because we want you to become a disciple, not just an attender and a consumer of Christian stuff. Oh, we have an agenda. You're like, ooh, that's creepy. No, no, we're trying to get you following the Jesus that we follow. So we're gonna, you know, and when I started Milestone, people said, that's not gonna work. These are busy people, Jeff. I had professors, I had leaders say, you can't build that. Like, people don't want that, baby. This is like, man, you're messing, you're in their space. Like, these are busy people, Jeff. These are important people. And I'm like, well, important people need it many times more than somebody else. So we're just, and they're like, you, you know, I, I still, I'm a pastor who loves people. I, 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 I want to be with people. They didn't teach me that in seminary. They told me the sheep bite. <laughs> so we keep the clergy laity division. And we just said, man, we're just going to get up in there. Hey, what's up? Hey, we want you to be a disciple, but we're not going to tell you. You're like, wow, because that's Jesus's desire. Why do we do church the way we do? Why do we believe we need to meet together? Why do we have 101? Some of you have never been to 101. You're like, man, now I'm never going. Because <laughs> people even in 101, when I say make a disciple, they're like, this is overwhelming. I thought we were just here to try to make some friends to have dinner with on Friday night. We're just trying to get our kids Sunday school. And you're making this thing way too intense. I didn't make the rules. I didn't set it up. I didn't set up the plan. Jesus did. So why we have you in a grow track? By the way, grow tracks don't produce disciples. It's the relationships in the grow track journey. Why do we do 301 the way we do? Years ago, we started saying, hey, we're gonna do seven weeks. Oh, these are busy people. They got stuff on their calendar. How can they do seven weeks in 301? Why do we stay doing that? We don't wanna just kinda, hey, grab and go. Just you know, go through the drive-through, get your Christianity, just door dash your Christianity. Why do we do that? Because you gotta get with some people. We're trying to simulate an environment and the hope is that you get around some people and you start to pour into others and you start realizing, hey, this is not as complex as writing code. This is just following Jesus and you grab a hold of it and you own it and it becomes how you live and somehow, some way, just simulating that a little bit produces that in your life and you're changed forever and it changes your family and it changes generations because you're actually following Jesus, not an American version of Christianity. I'm sorry. 
It takes, it becomes real. That's why we do what we do. That's why we do these series. Why don't we give you the books? Why do I do the videos? Why are we trying to say, hey, get together, do this? It's not a gross strategy, it's Jesus's strategy. And you know, it's how Milestone started. It's actually how we started. I, I didn't pastor here. I didn't know anybody really here. 32 people who I spent two or three years with, discipling, sold their homes and sold their businesses, we moved here. I knew some of the strategies, you know, we as preachers come together and we get strategies, and so some guys, of course, back then, we didn't, we didn't have all the equipment that church planners have today, you know, a nice monogram trailer, and we had, we had a gate truck that my father-in-law bought and put wood sides on, and there were rocking chairs for the nursery. It looked like the Beverly Hillbillies when we showed up. We sent out a mailer. Seven weird people came. Nobody like y'all. Just, you know, bona fide weird people. And uh, I was like, man, what are we gonna do? We went from 100, we had 165 people show up at a cafetoria and we went down to 73. I stood in the road for a few weeks trying to get people inviting on Fridays, hey, come to our cafetorium, passing out stuff. That was an interesting experience. Um, I got a few gestures that I'd never seen before. I had to look it up to see what it meant. I thought they were telling me I was number one, but, um, and, and, and you know, there was, they had a sticker that said, honk if you love Jesus when they drove off. But anyway, no, I'm just playing. It really just didn't work, and there we were. And you're like, what'd you do, pastor? Well, I had to go back to being a Christian, and it didn't make a lot of sense, but I ended up meeting through one of the first persons that came here to start the church, a friend from college. His name was Eddie, and Eddie had a friend named Patrick, and they were living in an apartment and driving ninja motorcycles, eating cereal out of Whataburger cups. It was just a, it was a likely strategy, by the way. I mean, these were influential people that had lots going on and lots of resources to fund our young church, but I just started meeting with them at Starbucks. This is how Milestone started. I started meeting with them. All the while, we didn't know if this little church was really gonna take off. How many of you know God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? If you'll trust the word over your feelings, God will always show up to perform his word. I've lived it. So what happened was Eddie ends up having his parents, you saw the story a few weeks ago, his parents get saved, he baptizes his parents, his parents come to the church, they start reaching out to people, they're bringing family and friends, and back to his friend Patrick. His friend Patrick comes, and then I end up with Patrick taking his, me and Patrick and his father started a Bible study together in downtown Fort Worth, fighting traffic and meeting, and then his father accepted Christ, and he's on our board now, and then a bunch of other people started coming because we were just, it wasn't about what was happening on Sunday, it was what was happening all week. These people are starting to get the vision of what it means to live for Jesus and get under lordship and started reaching their friends and started accept, people started accepting Christ. And Patrick introduced me at actually Patrick's wedding rehearsal to a guy named Ron. And Ron and Azu were in divorce proceedings and their family was falling apart and had a little daughter. And Brandy led his wife to the Lord. And then I started discipling Ron and Ron now leads our Hazlitt campus. Shout out to Hazlitt. I went there last Sunday night. They had 1,100 people on Easter. And they had several hundred people there fired up and excited. And that night when I was there, they introduced a guy named Ron, who just like Ron came to Christ, uh, Ron Stagel came to Christ, our campus pastor, this Ron came to Christ. And then when I was looking out at the crowd, I was even more amazed because then Ron invited up the one who's leading the youth. 
And, and Dalen comes up. I remember when he came to a youth service like we had this week. He's 15 years old. He accepts Jesus Christ. He goes to Milestone College. His wife now, Bree, was one of the first people, her family were the first people in that cafetorium that were reached from these relationships. Her daddy gave his life to Christ. She got married and now they're leading the student movement that bust 180 kids to the deal on Wednesday night. You go, Jeff, why are you telling me all this? Here's what I'm telling you. It's not about me. This is, don't, don't hear this. Oh, Pastor Jeff, that's amazing. No, I didn't really, in my own self, I'm thinking, this is crazy. I need to do something. I need to fix something. No, I just need to go back and be obedient to the word. And I'm able to say it looking back years later. And here's what I want to say to you. Really, discipleship is one Christ follower helping another Christ follower take their next step. You underestimate the impact of one obedient person making a relationship with somebody else. Help somebody. Some of you may need to jump in with this harvest we're getting with youth and take 10 or 12 of them. Instead of griping about the next generation, why don't you take 10 or 12 of them and disciple them? You're like, I don't know how to even get started, Pastor. It's not about going to Africa. If God calls you to Africa, go to Africa. It's about the relationship of people right around you. It's the relationships you work with. It's your neighbors. It's your friends. It's your kids. And you just say, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, everything in the kingdom is this. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And when you step out, God meets you there. I'm asking you to stand on your feet with me. When you get frustrated, when you, when you, when you look and say, man, when is this gonna, First start with, am I doing what Jesus said do? Am I actually doing what Jesus said do? We have a whole generation of frustrated Christians and the reason so many Christians are frustrated is, it's like, how are these people, why can't these people get it? If you've never watched the news and said, how can people not get it? You know why they don't get it? Because Christians are busy running around to superfluous stuff, having Christianese type language and talk and doing stuff, and we haven't discipled people. We haven't taught them how to think biblically. We haven't walked with them. We haven't apprenticed them. We are the answer. The church is the answer. We are Jesus' solution. And it's not right to complain about something that you're not busy being a part of the solution. Jesus, I pray right now. If you don't know Christ, you can know him today. He wants to be your Lord and Savior, just like what you saw in this tank. You can say, Jesus, I give you my life. Wherever you're at, online, Hazlitt, I give you my life. Jesus, I surrender to you. I believe you died for me. You rose from the dead. If you prayed that prayer, we wanna help you learn how to walk in that relationship. Maybe you need to take that step to baptism. Maybe come forward at the end of the service. Come to 101. Let us know so we can help you. But second of all, Lord, I pray, if it's one person this weekend, one person, I pray not just for information, I pray for revelation. Lord, I pray your words, the great co-mission, a cooperative mission with you, Jesus, I pray it burns in our hearts. I pray for an impartation right now. Make, 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 Forgive us, Lord, for complaining, for griping, for yelling, for talking, for running around 
like bees. Help us kick a goal, Jesus. Help us make. I just pray today, Lord, you would release hundreds into your army. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, maybe you uh, made a big decision today and you gave your life to Jesus. Well, I'd love to celebrate with you, love to help you take next steps. And so on the screen right now, you'll see a phone number. You can text the word connect and I'm on the other end of that as well as my team. And we'd love to answer questions and just help you on this journey that you started. And maybe you didn't make that decision, but you're wanting to visit one of our campuses in person. And I would love to help serve you, love to connect with you when you step on campus, love to meet you in the commons here at Keller, if that's where you're attending. And so text connect, I'd love to connect with you, love to meet you in person. Well, if you haven't yet, what we've been studying over the past few weeks is all of these different topics found in Pastor Jeff's book. And it is a free copy of his book we wanna get you. And so right now on the screen, there's a QR code as well as a phone number, text the word book. And I personally will send you a link to pick up that book. You can have it shipped to your house if you don't live near a campus, or you can order it to pick it up on campus. And it's been a great resource to study together and journey together. Lastly, we have a, a fun night coming up. It's a men's night this weekend. We have free hot dogs, hamburgers. We have games that we're gonna do, a par three course, field goal kick, all kinds of cool stuff, a car show. So it'll be a good time as guys to gather together and, and have a great night. So hope to see you there if you're local. Otherwise, we will see you back next weekend, Milestone, for an amazing service. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.